Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. Brought your instruction manuals. We're going to be at Matthew chapter 1 today. Matthew 1. Just going to dive right into what we got to talk about so I can get out of the way. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You are the man. Thank you. Is anybody leaving town for Christmas? Show of hands. Anybody leaving town? No? One person? Stephen, you going back home? South Kakalaki? Anybody else? One person leaving town? Couple? One more family? The rest of y'all stay at home. Give me your address because I'm coming to eat at everybody's house. I told somebody recently, I said, listen, I'm going to your house every day in heaven and eating. Like, just know I'm coming. I don't believe nobody has locks on their doors in heaven. Why would you, right? Why would you? Coming to eat. I think in heaven you can eat what you want. You won't gain weight. Kind of like I do here, but um, um, you can eat whatever you want and you're fine. And you can eat donuts all day if you want and you're fine or whatever manna was to them. But Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> I'm going to keep the lights down low. Normally we bring them up, but this might help me stay seated if I do it. And uh, it'll help me get done really fast since I'm probably um, 25 minutes behind, probably where I normally want to be. But we'll be okay. We'll be okay. I said Matthew 1 to be Matthew chapter 2. And I'll start reading from verse 1. And we'll just kind of go from there. Matthew chapter 1. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 2, reading it, verse 1. And we'll work our way down a little bit. Is that okay? Everybody say, wise men from the east. Come on, one more time. Say, wise men from the east. All right. Bless you, Jesus. Here we go. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came. To Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we've seen his stars in the east, and we've come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, Where is the Christ going to be born? And they said to him, Prophets say in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet Micah, by the way, Micah chapter 5. It says, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are you not the least or the smallest? Or uh, the CEB translation says, are you not the least significant among the rulers of Israel? Man, let's call them insignificant there. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. And Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined when the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you find him, bring me back word that I may come and worship him too. That I may come and worship him too. Let's just stop there for right now. Father, thank you for your gospel, your word. It is truth. I pray that today we can live in a slowed down mode, a mode of rest and peace and actually enjoy not just the benefits, but just the beauty of what the gospel means to us. Today, let this gospel chat, as it were, be impactful to us. We thank you, and we honor the gift of your son in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. I don't know if you guys have like traditions where you literally sit around with your family and, you know, just talk about the gospel and what it means to you. And Taylor, man, if you want, you can just, you can play the whole time for me today, by the way. Or you just sit around and just talk uh, maybe about the Christmas story with your family. But I'm 38 years old, almost fixing to be 39, and I'm more intrigued by the gospel than I ever have been before in my whole life. And things that have just been stories to me in the past or, you know, sayings, they're really pulling on my heart. And if I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know if it's because I've become, you know, this super sensitive man in my old age um, or just really just the beauty of the gospel is penetrating my heart and the answer to that question is probably it's both those in my old age right as I get older just the gospel is becoming more beautiful for me and maybe uh, today's Sunday so maybe on Tuesday night it was between 3.30 and 4 I got up I never got out of bed I threw the covers over my head and I opened up my phone and I started reading and I started reading Matthew again and I started reading this story. I read Matthew 1 and I read, I think, to verse 12 in chapter 2. Then I read chapter 2, verse 1 through 12 again. I did that about three times and I just started thinking about what I was reading. I was just meditating on the scripture and the beauty of the Christmas story. And the thought came to me, there's something real significant about the insignificance of certain things in the scripture. I'm going to say it again. There's something real significant about some of the insignificant things in the scripture. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the significance of insignificance. Ready for this? Because I felt like the Holy Spirit said, let me show something to you that a prophet called insignificant, but there was something very significant about it. And it was about where Jesus was born. But let's just look into the story for a little bit. If you're taking notes, Let me give you a definition of insignificant. Insignificant. It means too small or unimportant to be worth consideration. Too small or unimportant to be worth consideration. Something similar to the word insignificant is unimportant or of minor importance. Of little or no importance. You could say something is trivial or is very trifling it's inconsequential of little or no consequence it's not worth mentioning it's not worth speaking of this is what the prophet Micah 700 years before Jesus spoke about Bethlehem Ephrathah he said in you you are the least significant amongst the rulers of Judah but yet out of you is going to come a ruler who will shepherd all of my people, Israel. You are very insignificant, yet there's something really significant going to come out of you. And so I begin to think, laying in the bed, you know what? I'm not probably a very important person. Not a lot of people probably depend on my life, per se. You know what? I'm, I'm not Joe Biden in the sense that I'm sitting in the presidential seat. I don't lead thousands or millions of people per se with my voice I lead this family of course but not a lot of people will know Joshua my son recently asked me said dad are you famous and I was like no I'm not he said a lot of people call you and want to talk to you and you're always walking up to you and I was like no son I ain't famous but it's called responsibility though 
never really saw myself as being an extremely significant person. I began to bear witness with what Micah spoke over Bethlehem. He actually gave this word to Bethlehem when they were probably in their worst condition as a city, as it were. Because in his day, man, the nation was a mess. It was a mess. If you remember, I think it was two weeks ago, I kind of spoke on the condition of the land in the days of Jesus. They had cultural tensions, a lot of cultural division. They had racial division, much like we do today. They had a heightened sense of political division, a lot like we do today. And they had a massive divide in regards to what women can do versus what men can do. Women were viewed as less than, not quite as important, or they were insignificant in comparison to a man, much like it is today. So this story, the Christmas story speaks to us. And I just want to look at some details and just kind of share some things with you about the heart of Abba. I won't be very long, but I do want you to listen. First off, it was in the days of Herod, the king, that Jesus was born and wise men came from the east. Herod literally saw himself as the king of kings. But wise men came. We, we don't know how many it was, but I can tell you it was way more than three. It would have been more like three or, I mean, 30 or 300. It, it would not have been three. They always traveled deep. As you research it, you'll find out we can't put a number on it, but it wouldn't have been a stretch to say it was several hundred. But when you have several hundred men that come from miles and miles around into your city or into your nation, it will cause a bit of an uproar. Like, why are y'all here for? And they say, we've come because the king of the Jews is about to be born. And we've seen his star in the east. Now, you got to understand, Herod, this guy was crazy. Killed multiple wives. Killed his own children. Kill his siblings. You know why? Because he wanted to live, stay on the throne as much as he could. This guy was senile. This is Herod. They said, we have seen his star in the east, the king of the Jews. It's time for him to be born, and we've come to worship him. And Herod thinking, well, it's just going to be another brother. I'm going to wipe out. Matter of fact, you know what? Go find out where he's going to be born and come back and tell me. Where's he going to be born at? Herod gets this amazing idea. He calls all the people who know the scriptures, the Pharisees, the scribes, and he puts them all together. He has a little meeting and he inquires, where is he going to be born? What do your holy books say? What do your scriptures say? What do your scrolls say? And they say, well, the scrolls say, Michael prophesied 700 years ago, it'll be in Bethlehem. Hey, wise men, we know he's going to be born down there in Okarchi. Seminole. I'm trying to think of some small, what we would call insignificant places. I'm not from here. I bet they some. I heard somebody called out another city last week. I was like, man, Oklahoma has some crazy names for some of their towns. But like, mighty gosh. He said he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And so he sends the wise men to Bethlehem to go find him. I love this. Jesus was born in a day where there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of oppression. And they had bad leadership. Watch this. But he was born into that. And why did his birth trouble the current leadership? Because every false king knows when the real king has arisen.
and there was something about the birth of a baby. Why would a grown man be afraid of a baby? Unless it was true that he really was a king. But you can't be born a king. No, Jesus was born a king. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to throw my Bible in a minute. He was born a king of the Jews. And a star was his sign. A star was his herald as it was. When I was born, angels didn't appear in the birthing room. I think I've told you, my mom said I was the ugliest baby she's ever seen before. Legitimately. I'm like, mom, now you got me. I'm all messed up in about 30 years. She, if, you would ask, if she was here, she would tell you, she would say, you were just really, really ugly. She said, when the doctor brought you around, she said, I literally told the doc, she said, at that time, they would have you and they would take you out of the room. He said, I told him, she said, I told him you brought the wrong one back. She said, you were just ugly, Josh. I was like, man, you know what she called me? She said, for the first two years, she said, jokingly, I called you E.T. I was like, oh, you about to get, she said, you, did, you, had, you had no hair and you always had your finger outstretched. She's like, we called you E.T. I was like, mom, that explains a lot. That explains a lot, but I'm okay. Thank God for redemption. This baby is born, and the, the news of his birth troubled all the land because there was a new king in town. You know why it's important to understand who Jesus was? Because Jesus establishes a culture in the heart of the individuals that led him. And the culture that had been set by Herod, by King Herod, was get, fixing to get turned over on its head. Now, I want to just pull from this passage just for a few moments, and I'll be out of your way. Jesus was born in the land of bread, Bethlehem, the land of bread, in the land of Judah. I want you to understand some things from this passage, what the birth of Christ signifies to us. Number one is this. Let me read Micah 5.2 from the CEB translation. As for you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, Though you are the least significant among Judah's forces, one who is to be born in you will be the ruler on my behalf of all of Israel. His origins are from remote times, from the ancient of days. I want you to understand this if you're taking notes. Number one, God can do big things from insignificant places. Listen, God can do big things from insignificant places. Bethlehem would have been the last place that you would have said a star was going to be born or a celebrity was going to be born or a king was going to be born. Why does God like to do these things? Why does he take the worst people and the worst places to do things through? You could have picked a better tribe in Israel to come from, but no, God says, I want to come in this place, Bethlehem of Ephrathah. Because you see it as the worst place, but I'm going to educate you about how I work. I'm going to come and I'm going to bring some, something significant from an insignificant place. God is not afraid of starting in small places. Maybe you feel like me. You're a Native American Indian, I am. With a baby of fifth to a seventh grade education, that's what I have. Maybe you came from a divorce, a family that got shattered. I did. Maybe you limit yourself by your own insecurities. I have. Maybe at times you feel real inferior to a lot of people, and I do. But I want to let you know, God is not intimidated with starting small because he knows, listen, how to execute a plan. 
and he is committed to fulfilling his plan. What you and I think as circumstantial, God says, no, it's all a part of my plan. Why is God not afraid of starting small? Because God is the God that says this. He says to the minor prophet, do not despise the day of what? Why can you say that, God? Because maybe God can see the oak tree in the acorn. Jesus, <laughs> do not despise the day of starting small, Tiffany and Stephen. Don't despise the day of starting small, Aaron and Alyssa. Don't despise the day of starting small, Bree and Ben. Don't despise the day of starting small, Novel and Why, because God sees the significant in what looks to be insignificant. He sees the oak tree in the acorn. He says, all you see is seed, but I see a full-grown harvest here. Because your destiny is not determined by your starting destination. Jesus, do you not understand that when you open the Bible from the left and start reading to the right, you open your Bible to a mess, a very insignificant situation. In the beginning, Yahweh created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, and the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. I will be like, God, leave, go there, start somewhere else. But God says, essentially, I'm not afraid of bad situations. So from the start of your holy book, I'm going to show you who I am. He defines himself as Isaiah by saying this. He said, I am the potter and I work with clay. I work with raw materials. Watch God now. God steps out of nowhere onto the corner of nothing and starts talking. <laughs> and God turns this mess in Genesis 1 into a beautiful earth. And he makes this beautiful garden called Eden. Everybody say Eden. It literally means the place of paradise or pleasure a place of paradise or pleasure he creates a place of paradise and pleasure out of nothing but he's God he can do that and he says when I send my son to the earth to be born I'm going to take the most despised most overlooked the most insignificant place and I'm going to let him be born there so that 2021 years later this dude that looks a lot like Dwayne Johnson will be sitting on a stool somewhere in Edmond. <laughs> and he can brag on my might and my wisdom. He's the God of 1 Corinthians 1. Where Holy Spirit writing through the pen of Paul would say this. Let me read it to you. It's one of those quotables, but let me just read it to you. He says this in 1 Corinthians 1. For you see your calling, brethren. These are people that had all the nine gifts of the Spirit working in Corinth. Very gifted, but they were also sleeping with their mother-in-law. These people. While operating the gifts of the Spirit. They were also getting drunk at communion. These people. While operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul has to come and teach him and say, quit eating things that are being offered to idols. These people that are operating in the gifts of the Spirit. They could easily have felt less than all the other churches that Paul started. But he spoke to them in 1 Corinthians 1.26. He says, don't you see your calling, my brothers? That when God starts calling people, 
He says this, not many wise according to the flesh are called. Not many mighty according to the flesh are called. Not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put the shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put the shame those things that are strong. And God has chosen the base things or the things that are on the bottom and the things which are despised. God has chosen these things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why did you do that, God? He says, so that no fish could glory in my presence. So if you feel like you're coming from a family that's less than, you know, you're like me, you're raised in poverty from the age of 15 to 18. I live without electricity, but I am telling you, God is good. Nobody's ever heard of John Station, North Carolina. Do you know not only was Jesus born in Ephrata, Bethlehem, but he grew up in a town called Nazareth. It was so bad that in the Gospels, When they told one gentleman where he was from, you know what he says? He said, oh, really? Can any good thing really come out of Nazareth? This was Jesus. God turns nothing into something. This is what your God does. He makes insignificant things have a significant purpose. The psalmist said he takes the peasant and makes him ride amongst horses with the princes. It says he takes those who have been barren and he makes them have to keep the house full of children. This is what God does. He takes people and places from insignificant places and he says, let me give some significance to your life. This is one of the things that this story is communicating to us. He takes a young virgin girl and a young man trying to run a business and says, I'm going to let my son be born through you. They were not prophets and they were not preachers. He was a young businessman. If it had been me and I was God, I said, go down to the, to the seminary in Galilee and pick a family from there and let them be the birth, the birth parents. Not God. Not God. Let me tell you something. Do you think less of yourself? Seriously. Do you struggle with comparing your house to other people's houses, your car to other people's cars, where you live to other people live, your job to other people's job? Can I keep going? Your marriage to other people's marriages? You compare your marriage to the social media marriage. By the way, they're never going to put on there, we had an argument today. They're never going to do it. They're never going to show you the pictures of the empty chairs in their church. They're going to get behind the 12 people that were there, take a picture, and looks awful, and everybody's going to like, you know. Don't compare your life to other people's highlights. The, the worst people in the NBA. Y'all think that, 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 what was the show about Jordan they made? What was it? They can make them about anybody, legitimately. And you would think they're the best p- player on the planet because everybody has a highlight reel. But also everybody has insignificant places or parts of their life. Secondly, if you're taking notes, God does not only bring significance out of insignificant places. He brings significant things out of insignificant people. Did you know that in an Abram, a stargazer, a moon worshiper, was hidden to Abraham? Jesus. Did you know that in Sarah, there was hidden to Sarah? Because God came and he changed their name. Did you know that hidden in Simon the cusser? <laughs> the great apostle, the wavy one, that was hidden to Peter, a rock? 
Did you know that hidden inside of David, David, that shepherd boy, was hidden the greatest king in all of Israel? Who, when God would send his son to the planet, he could have let his son be the son of anybody. They didn't call Jesus the son of Abraham. They didn't call him the son of Moses. They didn't call him the son of Samson. They didn't call him the son of Elijah. They called him the son of David. David, by the way, was an adulterer. If I'd have been God, I wouldn't have put that in the Bible. God, you can leave. You can omit some stuff. Did you know that inside of Moses, this stuttering man was hidden the greatest deliverer that the nation of Israel would ever know? You see it? Let me tell you something. God takes insignificant places and insignificant people and he births something beautiful. This was Mary and Joseph. Did you know that Jesus was born so that all of humanity could be born again? If you're born once, you die twice. But if you're, died, if you're born twice, you only die once. Mary didn't give birth in the same season that she received the word. She had to learn to manage the months between the word given and the word fulfilled. But it was in the beginning that this happened. Watch this. When you go back and you read the Christmas story, nobody really ever mentions the lengthy genealogy of Jesus. But they had some very insignificant people in that genealogy. You ready for this? Mary and Joseph. Before we get introduced to their beautiful lives, 16 verses make mention of 42 names that were involved in Jesus being born. And most of the time we skip over them. You ready for this? Matthew felt it very necessary to talk about who was in that genealogy. And I'm almost done. These people had some scandalous passages. I'm just telling you, if, I, if I'd have been God, I'd be like, don't put that in there, Matthew. You talk about the kings and you talk about the prophets. You ready for this? Rahab was a what? Prostitute. She was not even a Jew. She was the enemy of God's people. But God let her story be weaved into the genealogy of his son. She made it into the family of the Christ. Talk about insignificant. What? A prostitute? Not a preacher. A prostitute. You hear it? She was prostitution. I'm going to keep on going. David was a murderer and an adulterer. We hear this story a little bit. David would take your woman and kill you after he took her. David took one man's wife and said, look, if you don't back off, I'm taking her. But if you don't take off, I'm taking your life. And the guy had to watch David take his wife and walk off. By the way, this was a man after God's own what? I'd have been like, Psh, I beg to differ. Solomon, this apple did not fall far from the tree. This brother had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I say cucumber vines, but whichever one makes you feel better. And they called him wise. That, that does not sound like wisdom, bro. Like, I'm just telling you. I know he had money because he had a lot of wives. But anyway, keep on going. Solomon was a womanizer. To say that the family tree of Jesus was crooked is an understatement. Why come God didn't edit out all of the scandalous stuff in the genealogy of his son? Because the point is that Jesus came through all these people to bring every scandalous person 
to bring every scandalous act all the way back to himself. He wanted to bring wholeness to the entire dysfunction of all of humanity. And he said, the only way I know to do that, Lindsay, is I got to have some dysfunction in my own family. So, yes, I will find insignificant places like Bethlehem. And, yes, I will find insignificant people like Mary and Joseph. And, yes, I will move through other insignificant people that you wouldn't even want to be seen at Target with like Rahab. And I'll say, they're part of my family, too. He was bringing all of the dysfunction to himself. I want you to know something. Just because you might be born in a dysfunctional place, and maybe you were born in a dysfunctional family, but that does not mean you have to live dysfunctional. Jesus. I think Jesus preferred to be called the son of man more than the son of God because he was trying to show us what humanity was meant to look like. This baby was born. And wise men from the east came and worshipped him. They came and they worshipped him. They came and they worshipped him. I'm still learning what it means to worship Jesus. I'm still learning what it means to say, come let us adore him. So for a few moments, I want to do that in front of you, the people that I lead. I worship you, Jesus. I say, yeah, to worship you, that is why I live. If they could worship a baby, shepherds could stand in awe of a baby in a manger, and wise men could stand in awe of this young toddler before he did any miracles or raised any dead people. I know now I certainly got to be able to worship you, knowing all that you've done. And I pray that in this Christmas season, you would strip the scales off of my heart and let us see you. I pray that this would also be a day that men could lead their families in worship again. That dinner tables could become altars. And that around the tree in our room that we crowd gifts upon her, we wouldn't be so quick to forget the tree, Jesus, that you would go on to hang on and really be the gift of all humanity. May I stand in awe today of John 3.16. For Papa so loved the whole cosmos that he gave his only begotten son so that whomsoever would put their trust in him they would never have to perish but they could have everlasting eternal never ending life in John 17 and 3 Jesus would tell us what eternal life is he would say this is eternal life that they would believe on you the one true God and your son whom you have sent this is eternal life I want to give you a challenge today. Will you worship him with your family? Come on, even right now, would you stand on your feet? Maybe just softly begin to lift your hands and stand in awe of this king. Stand in awe of the one that shepherds bowed to land in a manger. Stand in awe of the one that wise men brought gifts to as a baby. He's no longer a baby today.
He's no longer in a manger today. And I got great news way, church. He's no longer on a cross, but he's seated right now at the right hand of majesty on high. And he doesn't have to command worship from from nations. He doesn't have to command worship from angels. They behold him and they say, we stand in awe because to worship you, we do live. Come on, let's take a few moments and let's worship our king together who is born king of angels and born king of humanity. That's why we sing. Jesus. Jesus. for now along with our whole team I pray man I know this to be truth that some of you guys are going to have some major encounters with the Christ this week I'm telling you some encounters and you know what the encounters always happen in the Bible in insignificant places at a bush on the backside of a mountain in a room in a prison while they were getting beat in insignificant places they had some major significant encounters and I'm telling you in your car while you drive in the shower while you bathe picking clothes out of your closet what are you going to wear that day you're trying to do nothing more than just bless your meal but you feel an uncommon awareness of his presence while you're blessing your meal and the blessing over your meal turns into a worship session And I'm finding the significance of his presence in some insignificant places in my life right now. (laughs) He's so amazing. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.